Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. and welcome back to another episode of Hot Off the Press. I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and I'm here with my fellow print fanatic, Jillian of Studio Soprano. Yay! This episode is for all of our fellow printers out there. If you have a press, or if you're looking to get one, you're probably asking some of the same questions we're going to cover in today's episode. If you're wondering how often to oil a press, what type of oil to use, and what else you need to know to maintain your equipment, then buckle up! Um, I know when I first started printing, I could not find one like solid answer on just about any of these. Um, so hopefully this will be helpful to you guys. But what about you, Jillian, when you first started? like, <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, even the pot Devon that I just purchased and had to completely clean and take apart and put back together, I can't even find a matching model for that anywhere online. Like there is nothing... <laughs> In any of the Pot Devon brochures, that looks like the one that I have. It's, it's, yeah. it's always just a crapshoot. I, I can't get any answers on anything ever. I know. Um, I always feel like Jillian finds like this most unique, random equipment. Like, I don't know what it is, but like you just man like manifest this like one of a kind Pot Devon <laughs> with your one of a kind press and your one of a kind paper cutter with its hydraulic calf bag and like just <laughs> it's always the most like like we think we have the same model of pot devon and then we realize they're completely different like entirely structurally different I'm like I don't even know where you found this like I don't understand <laughs> yeah I l- lucky me <laughs> lucky me so oh, man. no I can never find any answers to answer your question <laughs> yeah fair enough well when you know when we started this podcast it was one of our biggest goals was to be uh, emotional support for new and aspiring printers because there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of things that have 14 answers um, and hopefully you know through all of these episodes and some of the resources we've created you can filter through all of that and decide you know pick from option a and b um, if you will because we're not going to tell you there's one right answer but um, as always I want to just remind you to take everything we say in this episode with a grain of salt um, it is based on our experience and our research which is not um, you know infinite we have just read and found what we could not everything is foolproof. And if you have a disagreement or if you have other information to provide, we would absolutely love to hear it. So um, we will be posting a uh, like an episode uh, post on Instagram and that'll correspond with this episode. So in the comments there, like, let's have it out. Tell us what kind of oil you like to use. Tell us what you disagree with um, or if we're wrong on something. We want to hear it. And um, that would be the perfect place. So let's just uh, dive into it. Um, So first, you're going to want to establish a schedule of maintenance and start by just making a list of all of your equipment and what you will need to maintain it. Um, You know, I have, for example, in my studio, a press, 
a big paper cutter. I have a corner rounder, hole puncher, whatever the technical term is. It's kind of like a drill press. Um, I have dies and die cutting equipment and um, I have a pot Devon. So that's a variety of equipment that all needs different things. And I think for me, it works best when you can kind of combine like tasks um, or tasks that require you to get to the same place, whether it's a physical place or a particular level of disassembly, that kind of thing. Um, so for example, when I'm oiling my press, it's also a super convenient time to check for loose nuts and bolts um, and tighten them up while I'm literally down behind my press underneath the thing that comes up below the ink disc, it's a perfect time for me to tighten that stupid bolt that's there um, and also oil up, you know, the, the roller saddles. So, I mean, just combine tasks whenever you can. Um, for example, you're taking your chase out of your press to clean it um, and swap colors or whatever it is you're doing. Then unlock your coins, retighten everything to make sure your base or whatever form you're printing stays secure. Um, you get the idea. So lump tasks together whenever you can. It helps you make sure that all of it gets done and all of it gets covered um, as often as possible. And we'll leave you like to decide whether it works better for you personally to stagger tasks on different days. You know, maybe uh, you're going to do maintenance Monday and every Monday you're going to do maintenance in your whole studio. Or maybe you want to like break it up and today you're going to oil your press, tomorrow you're going to check your dies the day after that, you're going to fix up your paper cutter and tighten all the nuts and bolts, like, you know, decide what works for you, um, but make sure it gets done. And there's a super handy website out there. You've probably heard us reference a few other times. It's called Letterpress Commons. Um, they have an article on press maintenance and they recommend this kind of timeline, which I think is going to be relevant to kind of cover all of the printers out there uh, listening. So for people who print infrequently, like once a month or so, perform this cycle of maintenance every six months or so. Um, if you frequently use your press, like every week, then perform the cycle every month. Um, and if you regularly use your press, like every day or multiple times per week, then perform the cycle weekly. So, you know, the level of use of your equipment determines how often you need to do all the things. Um, and, you know, again, it's kind of up to you to decide how often is uh, all of this necessary. And some things, you know, you don't need to do as often as others, like oiling the press is something you should be doing more often than anything else. Um, and also it depends on what type of oil you're using. So there's a lot of factors to consider, but I think as a general yeah. rule of thumb, you know, um, I think that works for, for most people. I really like that. And um, I know like when we first started, like neither of us had an idea of, we knew to oil our press, but we were like, how often? And does it like harm it if we're oiling it too much? And like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, when I, I first, just, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I realized, um, you know, talking about the pot Devin and I took it all apart and I cleaned it. Um, a part of that was because there was so much dust, obviously stuck in the grease. Like I could visibly see how much dust there was. And I knew that dust plus moving gears is probably not going to yield a good yeah. thing. So I knew I had to clean the gears and then I also knew I had to re-grease them. And then it occurred to me, I have never re-greased Gordy. I have oiled yeah. him. I have put oil in the holes, but I've never gone into his actual gears and put grease, grease in them. Yeah. There is grease in them because I can see it. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's gross. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So like you kind of learn as you go. And sometimes working on another machine like makes you think of like something else to do with your other one. 
But I really like the idea of scheduling. And I think we did talk about this at our beginning of the year episode. Mm -hmm. You should try to like set up some times. I've been doing that with my paper cutter. And it is so nice that when I go to cut paper, I'm not having at that moment to empty out the oil bag, the hydraulic fluid bag. Yeah, It's just, I did it like when I was maintenancing all of my presses. So like now I get to just show up to the paper cutter and cut. And, and then that way, when I am down there, and I'm getting that oil, like all over my hands and gloves, I could then go and oil Gordy, and then also check the pot Devin and just do all the dirty stuff at once. Yep. And then wash up and not be touching clean white paper after touching all this dirty stuff. That's hugely and that's a huge part of it. And I also like, I, I think that, you know, if you, you'll come up with like a regular schedule that works for you and makes sense, like, I find that like oiling up is a good time to like clean the feed trays and make sure that when I put paper down, it doesn't get dirty and like wipe down my big paper cutter. So when I go to cut paper, the bottom sheet doesn't get all gross. Like it's just, you know, like all of that is just a nice little reset and it's a good time for you to just be like, okay, everything is clean. Now I can start production, you know, or you finish production and you like want to do all of that before you walk out of your studio for the day so that, you know, next time you come in, you can just get started. Like, whatever works for you personally. But um, yeah, it does feel great when you like get all of that done and check everything and um, it feels very satisfying. Um, It does. Yeah. I also learned a few things while researching some of this. So I'm excited to uh, share. But one thing I did learn that kind of loops back to your uh, super dusty pot, Devin, is that like oiling more often is better than not oiling at all. And oil helps clean out the dust and debris from those places. So like, because it is liquid, um, you know, grease lasts longer. That's why you should use it on parts that move and and need more, but, um, or where it can easily slip out. Um, but (laughs) oil actually like by adding oil, you're literally like rinsing those gears and those joints. Like, Oh wow. That, you know, that's kind of the point of lubricating it. It doesn't just like evaporate it, it, it runs like that's the whole point of oil. So, um, more often oiling will be good for your press in a lot of ways. Um, so as far as your actual press is concerned, um, obviously there's other equipment to consider and we'll talk a little bit about those things, but there are quite a few boxes to check. Um, we're going to start with some of the more straightforward stuff and breeze through those and then dive into some extra info on like oiling specifically. Um, and this is mostly going to apply to platen presses because that's what Jillian and I have and operate. That's what we know. Um, when we're talking Vandercooks and Heidelbergs, some of this stuff will apply, but a lot of it, there is more to those machines that we won't cover. Um, we can probably elaborate in a future episode, but this is definitely applicable to anyone with the Platin Press. And I think all of it still applies to people with Vandercooks and Heidelbergs, but there may be other things that you need to know about that we uh, won't cover here. So that's my yeah. final little uh, footnote for, for this one. Um So start by just giving your press a good wipe down and this can be before or after you oil, you know, but that's got to be included in your list of to do's. Right. So I like to just kind of pick up any areas that drip. Um, like when I'm oiling the roller saddles, making sure that like, and nothing is going to get onto my chase or my form once it's in the bed of the press, um, wiping down like my acetate where I have my paper and my guides wiping down my feed trays, all of those areas that need to be clean. I like them to be clean after I'm done oiling them because, you know, you drip oil or you put too much oil on somewhere and run the press a couple times, it might, you know, splash or drip somewhere else. Um, 
it's always good to reevaluate and make sure that your press is level and supported, especially if your press is on something like a, a pallet or plywood or something like that and not actually on the ground. Um, it also helps if you made sure your press was level when it got moved into wherever it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that kind of will we'll touch on, you know, uh, that with like having a press log or like a shop log could be really good. Um, whether that's just tracking the date and what you did, whether it was like oiling or maintaining something or making an adjustment or, you know, this bolt was loose, I tightened it. And then you notice it gets loose more frequently as time goes on, that kind of thing. So having a little press log can be really good. Um, and even if it's just a checklist and it, you know, you print it and you print a whole bunch of copies and every week you do that checklist, that could be great too. Um, so figure out some kind of way to keep a record of the maintenance that you do. And when you move a press into a new place, maybe just make sure it's level and write down press was level. <laughs> That way, you know, if it's two degrees off next time you check it, something is going to happen, you know, um, and then uh, you're going to want to check your belts on your press if it's motorized for tension. Make sure that nothing is shifted there. My motor is attached via wood and some screws to the pallet that my press is on. So I know that if anything were to loosen, like if a bolt, like if a screw got bent or broke or something like that in a move or just from wear, those are things that you need to check because it could be super dangerous as well as dangerous to the press um, if something were to happen while you're operating it. So check your belts, make sure they're tense and tight um, and that everything is moving as it should. Nothing is like wiggling or wobbling, whatever. Um, I assume if you have a treadle, there's some kind of checking you should do with that too. Um, any ideas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I would say just make sure that you have it oiled there's like a spot to oil it where it yeah. touches and yeah I haven't had to do like anything I did once give the uh like foot part like a scrub with a brush because it was getting like a little gross but yeah that makes sense yeah I guess maybe like make sure there's nothing like in there like paper or stuff that has fallen into the press at any point or yeah maybe just like make sure that the area is clean yeah. Like a lot of stuff does kind of fall under the press. I yeah. don't like ever go in or under to salvage anything that's like fallen. Yeah. Our our little fallen heroes. As yeah. For me, it's always those little like backers on the uh, foam tape I use for my yes. like guides. Those little exactly like exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know, like I don't know what it is about the static electricity with those, but like they just like stick to the weirdest things and they end up under my press like 80% of the time. And I just don't know how to solve that. I try, I really do. Um, yeah. Cool. So uh, you're also, you know, you should be checking and leveling your platen, <laughs> which is a very lovingly sensitive topic for us. We definitely are going to skim over this one because we have a whole episode on how to level your platen. Yeah. Um, if you haven't done that already, it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, also, 1200 out of 10 recommend it because it will make printing so much easier for you um so leveling your platen it's something that will become unlevel with use and time and just because things wiggle as they move for thousands and thousands of rotations um so level your platen every so often this is probably something that you don't need to do once a week once a month it's probably something that could go a little longer but depends entirely on your press um so make sure to do that you're also going to want to check your rollers and your trucks to make sure that they're in good condition. There's no dents or divots um, that your trucks are 
wearing evenly, those kinds of things. Um, I guess we could include in this uh, checking your rails and re-taping them if you need to. I feel like that's something that depends on the type of tape that you're using if you're taping your rails, um, how often you'll need to do that. But I feel like mine at this point, I feel like it's every month I probably need to re-tape them completely. Um, I probably just need to get a different type of tape, but you know. Um, so retaping the rails, checking your rollers and trucks to make sure they're in good working condition. Those are going to make like your printing life easier. Like if you discover one day that your rollers have like a little divot in them or a little chunk is missing, like that's going to hugely affect how your plates and your forms ink and how things print. Um, so hopefully they will be like obvious things, but it's good to just take them off the press every now and again and check them out and give them a good cleaning. Um, especially the trucks. I feel like you get weird debris on your trucks and then it causes rollers to slide and do weird stuff that makes printing really annoying. So um, I agree. Yeah. And then um, another thing to consider. So I did briefly touch on just taking the chase out of the press and, you know, relocking your form, whether that's moving furniture around in your coins or just literally like loosening and tightening again. Those can be really helpful. Um, I actually one time had my chase just sitting aside from my press and then when I went to pick it up and put it back in the press, I realized that it was loose. So like, imagine if that had happened while I was mid-print. Um, not only could my very expensive boxcar base be damaged, but my press could have been damaged, um, let alone it would have wrecked my day. So, you know, it's as simple as just taking that chase out. And you do that all the time. Like when you take your plate, your chase out to clean the press or switch plates, um, you know, you're always moving that chase around. So take an opportunity and one of those times to just unlock and relock your coins. It's pretty simple um, and will hopefully, you know, help prevent any issues. You also should check your chase to make sure there's no cracks, like if it's been dropped or knocked over, um, that it's still flat. Like if you lay it on a table, it shouldn't wobble, right? And um, you can also check to make sure that it's square and that it fits into the bed of the press correctly. Um, and again, like if it's super wonky, it will be pretty obvious, I think, but good to just check these things every now and again, um, and just make sure. I know and one time I was having a bitch of a inking issue and I was like, what is wrong? I don't know. And it turns out that I had just overlocked my coin. Yeah. And so, so the chase even... was no longer perfectly square. And when I put it in, the like part that locked the chase in actually wasn't gone all the way down. And oh, wow. so, so like the chase up. was sitting at like a very slight angle off of, you yeah. know, the actual bed. And so the top of the form was like inking so much, like to the point where it was even inking the base, the boxcar base itself. Oh my gosh. Um, that's and crazy. I was just like, what is happening? And it was just because I had overlocked a coin. So yeah, like when you're doing that whole setup, like, you know, check to make sure it's square. And like when you put it in, check to make sure like you could see that your base is actually like sitting flat against because you know what else sometimes happens? Talk about those little freaking pieces of acetate. Sometimes they stick to the back of your yeah. boxcar base. And yes. you may think that little tiny thin it's piece level. of plastic is not going to do anything, but it will. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, yeah, make sure the back of that chase is completely clear when you're putting it in too. Yeah. And make sure like when you lay your chase on a flat surface and you put your base and then your furniture and your coins in it, like everything should be when it's snug and secure, everything should be touching that table still at the back. 
you yes. don't want any of those that furniture or those coins to be like kind of bowing up because then they might get inked but they could also damage your rollers yeah. um so either way anything touching your rollers that shouldn't be is not a good thing um particularly your base and things that have sharp edges so um yeah yeah Perfect. And then, I mean, I think one of the biggest questions slash debates uh, we've seen slash had and have never really had one answer on is oiling the press. So how often, what type of oil and where? Um, so yeah. the old Chandler and Price manuals and documents that I've seen have always just recommended, quote, good grade machine oil which is super not helpful in this day and age, because that is like, what type of machine we have, like, infinite numbers of machines and oils to go along with them. Um, I was seen... actually just yeah. in an auto zone last week buying oil Yeah, because I needed more for my press. And the lady was like trying to give me a suggestion um, because it she picked like a machine oil. And I think yeah. she was like, this is a good grade of machine oil. Like those were the words she used. I but love then it. I Did got... you buy it? No, I got really nervous and I bought the one that you used. Yeah, I, like, I want to know I what she recommended. I It literally was just called machine oil. That's like, funny. You know, by maybe Valvoline or something. But it I'm was gonna like. I'm going to Google it real quick because I'm curious. <laughs> it's literally just machine oil. Um, oh, funny, I'll, I'll go that. in. It's, you know what? The auto zone is right next to my nail place. So I'll go in one day and take a photo. Take a photo of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting. We should look but yeah, some- so you're totally right because like now we have synthetic stuff and we have heavier weight things and lighter weight options yeah. and all these, all the in-betweens. There's literally like a wall of quote unquote machine oil. Yeah, exactly. shops. So yeah. like it, it is very not descriptive or helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think so from what I've seen and I saw in and I've looked in forums, I've looked in old manuals for professors, uh, both Chandler and Price and like Heidelberg and other ones that I've found. The best description slash answer I have found that gives the most information to what type of oil to use. Drum roll, please. Is <laughs> 30 weight non detergent oil. So I think that's probably the best guess to go on. Um, And I currently use uh, 10W40 oil, which is 10 weight, if I understand those numbers correctly. Yes. Um, And 40 has to do with the temperature. So I may be changing that, which is actually coincidental. I'm almost out of oil for mine, so I do need to get some new one. Uh, So there we go. Um, So... That's, That's what funny I because use. I specifically bought yours and not the one she recommended because I was like, I just want to use whatever Mariah. You should have checked our, our episode <laughs> first. Yeah. Um, so 30 weight non-detergent oil is what I've seen. And that seems to be the most solid answer and also the most common answer that I found. Um, with any actual fucking description behind it. So that's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> I've also heard of people using um so Dustin, uh, DP Make Stuff, he suggested chainsaw bar oil um, because it's really thick, which is, I think, why the 30 weight oil will be better than what I'm currently using, because what I use is pretty thin. It's meant to run through an engine, right? It's kind of different. Mm-hmm. And I touched mm-hmm. on this fairly briefly at the beginning, but the higher viscosity, so the thicker the oil that you use on your presses, the longer you can go between oiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the whole point here. So if you're using something like I am the 10 W 40 motor oil that you can get from any auto zone or whatever, 
um, then you probably want to be oiling up pretty frequently because that is going to literally just run right out of your press as it runs. So if you're using a higher weight oil, you probably don't need much of it and you probably don't need to do it quite as often. Um, but more oil is always better than no oil. So um, I really don't, I haven't seen any indication that oiling too much is a problem, except for like something it might drip on. <laughs> so if, you're, <laughs> if your press is on a pallet, I may suggest not over oiling uh, out the kazoo because eventually it's going to corrode the wood that your press is on. Um, but other than that, like being a possible problem, I don't see any other reason not to. Um, yeah, so- it definitely helps to have one of those little bottles. So the oil that I used to use was the three-in-one motor oil. Yeah. Um, which I believe was a Valvoline brand. No, it was a Mobile One brand. Yeah. And I actually just took that exact bottle, unscrewed the top, and put the new oil in because the 10W40 didn't come in the uh like smaller bottles yeah. from my AutoZone. So I I have a little oil can that has a little neck that's flexible. Yeah, yours is cute. And I highly recommend getting one of those because it makes it really easy to get all of those weird places because you don't, the can itself, even if it's too big to fit in the area, the little neck is just a little tiny like hose. So I can get into any part of my press with that. And then I just refill it from the regular oil bottle. Um, Yeah. And this kind of may go back to the in general, like cleaning of your presses, but I need to go through and like try to figure out a way to really clean out those oil holes because they definitely have some debris in them. Um, I could tell that the oil goes in because as I'm putting it in, it doesn't just immediately come out. Somebody recommended using, I've obviously seen Q-tips for cleaning those things out because a lot of the hole sizes are the same as like a Q-tip size, but the whole goal is to not push that like gunk into your breast, but to get it out. Um, You know what I saw? There's little metal, there's like little metal wire brushes that are really good for it. So I bought I, them. I just haven't done it. I saw somebody use um, a like a spiral drill bit, just like a smaller one. And it kind of mm. just like twisted. They kind of twisted it in there, which I thought was interesting. I also kind of feel like I bet you could use like, you know, those little disposable like single use spoolies for like mascara. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I bet one of those would work really well. Um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, something like that. So Definitely, if you haven't done this already or, you know, you want to add this to your like every month or six month maintenance schedule, but like trying and cleaning out some of those really gross uh, little oil holes would be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a big, messy project for sure. Depending on the state of your press, my press is pretty like pretty dirty. So it's definitely something that like has I've, I've definitely gone through and cleaned all of those, but it's something that I feel like still needs to be like done often um and then yeah so final note on oiling is just that like well final note on what type of oil is that any oil is going to be better than no oil so whether you're using 10w40 oil or the three-in-one motor oil or something else any oil is literally better than nothing so um yeah and then if you have a counting machine on your press like i do i feel like it's kind of easy with that counting machine to kind of know how often to oil up because I tend to reset it when I start like a new print day or new print week. Um, and I mean, if you're just watching the numbers tick all the way up to 9,000, 999,000 or whatever it is, um, then maybe this won't be so relevant to you. But 
if you use a counting machine, you know, like I usually print like anywhere from a thousand to 2000 impressions a week. So to me, that feels like a really great, like timeline of how often to oil, you know, a thousand impressions seems like a really good time to oil up. Um, an old Chandler and Price article that I read says, quote, every week or every time you use the press, <laughs> which is like, again, one of those, like, what does that even mean? That means something <laughs> different for everybody. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the origin story for all the confusion. Right. Um, but I also read once for every six to eight hours of printing, which I think is a much more comprehensive answer, right? Like if you print two hours a day, three days a week, then there's your six to eight hours. Right. Or if you print a full day every day, there's your six to eight hours. So I think that's a better, like, uh, you know, timeframe or a better, like clear cut answer. So every six to eight hours of printing is a good kind of rule of thumb for how often to oil the press. Um, So if you're someone who prints thousands every day, definitely more often. If you print small runs every once in a while, you can probably go a little longer. But um, like we said, any oil is better than no oil. And every six to eight hours of printing is probably good. Um, Now, where on the press do you oil is a fun question. So The f- I didn't know if there was an exact number for this, but according to an older Chandler and Price manual, there are 37 oil holes in a 8x12. And that is new style or old style. I've read that they are the same. Um, so 37 oil holes. I don't think I have all 37 marked on my press. I'm going to have to go count next time I go into my shop. But um, 37 oil holes, and I will link a chart uh, that is actually kind of helpful. If you are fortunate enough to have access to one of the manuals to go with your press, um, then it should have a location of all of these. And I know that the Heidelberg ones, and then there are a couple of Chandler and Price ones out there, and I think some Vandercook ones too. So if you can get a get your hands on a press manual for your press or something really similar, at least to give you kind of a place to look for things. Um, as a good rule of thumb, though, any place where metal touches metal is a good place to start. Um, most oil holes are pretty obvious. Some of them have like a little cap on them that keeps the oil inside from splashing out and that kind of thing. Um, mine were mostly like some of them were painted red. And I think that was a common Um, I think that must have been like factory because I've seen that on a lot of different presses. Um, I went through when I first got my press and added some bright pink nail polish to ones that weren't marked. So I'll go ahead and do that and see if I can count all 37 next time. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, they may be kind of indicated. So at least you know what you're looking for. Um, But if not, you know, look at any place where metal touches metal and go from there. Um, Places like the joints of the throw-off lever, the side arms, the roller saddles, those places need to be oiled more often as well because they make more moves and they're a little bit more like, I think they're just heavier use areas as far as the bigger joints go. So um, definitely hit those as often as you can. And then, um, yeah, just start at one corner of your press and kind of work your way around while the press is either open or closed and then do another lap while the press is in the other position. So I know like if you look at the manual um, for the Chandler and Price, it it indicates that you should do the roller saddles while the press is uh, closed. So I think it's just about an orientation to make sure the oil kind of hits the joint rather than just running off. Um, But so you'll kind of get a feel for that. And I think when you see them, you know, as gravity works, you kind of know that 
when your press is open, you should probably hit these ones. When your press is closed, you should hit those ones. You'll figure that out. But um, yeah, definitely. I cannot hit all of them when my press is in one position. I have to go around again a second time when the press is open or closed. So you're going to want to do that with yours. Um, And like I mentioned, I really love to use this time to go through and tighten some nuts and bolts. I know there are a couple of places on my press that wiggle loose. So I think that I'm already down there. I'm already getting grungy. I'm already opening and closing the press so I can see everything. I may as well tighten nuts and bolts while I'm there. Um, and then I give everything a good cleaning afterwards. And if you have a Chandler and Price, I will include a YouTube video link in the show notes because I think this is one of the best oiling walkthroughs of a press I've ever seen on YouTube. Um, he literally counts all the oil holes and his press is also like refinished and painted. So it's beautiful. Um, so anyway, I'll link that in the show notes. If you have not oiled your press or if you're not sure if you're getting everywhere, this is a great video to check out. So yeah, that's, that's oiling your press. I mean, it doesn't sound so complicated, does it? It takes me like 10 minutes. I think It, it really is nothing, you know, just to go through in 10 minutes and, and oil it all up and yeah, it's happy. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So in addition to the oil holes, all of the giant gears on the side of your press have like a grease on them. And same thing that Mariah talked about before, you use grease versus oil there because the grease will actually like stay in place and work for you a little bit longer, whereas like the oil is flushing through. Um, So you can actually... If you've noticed that your gears are like really filthy, especially if maybe it's been anywhere that's dusty or if like in our our last garage, we did a lot of woodworking. And even though we would cover the press while we were woodworking, like the sawdust still would kind of get up in there. So I've had to like vacuum off sawdust from the press before and like, you know, kind of get in there with a brush and like sort of get sawdust out. Um, but you could use like a toothbrush. Or any kind of like bristled brush to clean out gears. And then you just want to make sure that if you are cleaning them, um, if you are using any kind of water-based item that you really, really dry them off because water is going to cause rust. So Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you are drying those well and quickly. But you really actually don't need to use water. You could just use the brush and you can use isopropyl alcohol if you need some kind of moisture to like loosen things up. And then you can add your grease back on and um, throw a glove on, scoop some grease up in your finger and literally just smear it, run it across, just smear it right across the gears and the the multiple gears together will work on getting it down into the grooves. You don't actually have to like go up and down into each groove. Yeah. But you do want to give it like a good, like little bit of a distribution. Um, And I don't recommend trying to apply it while the press is running. That is a little bit dangerous. No, um, definitely. definitely none of this should it, be done while the press is running. <laughs> none of it should be done while the press is running on a motor. You you want to use like actually physically turning the flywheel by hand to like do all of this stuff. Like how Mariah was saying, some oil holes are yeah accessible in one position or another like use your hands to turn the flywheels yes. probably common sense probably but we'll should just have say said it that. Anyway. yeah we should, probably should have said that <laughs> at the beginning like literally yeah. not a single thing i've talked about should be done while the press is operating 
Um, exactly. Not exactly. a single, not a single bit. And if your press has any kind of like on off switch, just unplug the thing before you start any of this, yeah. um, you know, just to be safe. So yeah, I feel like there is like the only one that would be tempting to do would be the grease and the gears because you don't get to see it distributing out well until the press is running on its motor. Um, or you're running it at full speed, but just trust me that like that grease over time is going to distribute itself. And if you feel like there's one area that still looks clean, um, because even your new grease is going to look dirty quick. I was so devastated when I spent hours <laughs> cleaning my pot, Devin, re-greased it, and then it just went back to looking like a greasy machine. <laughs> like, oh, great. Um, yeah. But if you notice a clean area when it's off you can put more grease on that area. But just by the way that machines work and materials transfer, it will slowly distribute across the whole gear. Yeah, so and you could always put an initial layer of grease on, let your yeah. press run for a minute, and then turn it off again and come back and add more or add more to another part of it, whatever is not getting enough. Um, just, yeah. yeah, don't do it while it's operating. Do not do it while it's operating. And. <laughs> Even when you're cleaning stuff, like let's say you have a Vandercook or something, um, like I'm thinking of the rollers on my pot, Devin, I know that they roll away from each other. So yeah. while it's running, I will wipe it down with a wet cloth. Yeah, just like Vandercook, um, yeah. But it's because they are rolling away from each other. If yeah. they were rolling towards each other, that is a finger pinching hazard. That is yes. a get your sleeve caught hazard. Yeah, at the very least, your paper towel now goes through there and has tangled up and now it's a giant mess instead of just cleaning it when it's off, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So please, whenever you're like maintenancing a machine, make sure that it's not running. Yeah. Like, this goes for your paper cutters. Make sure that nothing can hit the buttons that activate the yep. blade. Yeah, like, make sure that you're being as safe as possible because it's yeah. not worth <laughs> just turn the stupid thing off. It can wait. Like, it, yeah. what is it going to take? 30 more seconds? Like, it's not worth your fingers. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good, good call. So, you know, and you just touched on paper cutters a little bit. So if your shop has other equipment, you know, you should build that into your maintenance routine. It's not just about maintaining a press um, and not just checking your chase and checking your, you know, rollers. It's checking to make sure that your paper cutter is clean. So your paper stays clean when you put it down, um, mm -hmm. making sure that your other equipment gets oil when needed or grease as needed, um, getting the blade sharpened for your paper cutter, which I just did. And my God, is it amazing? Um, yes. So, you know, figure out a timing schedule for those things. Uh, things like sharpening the blade, it's not expensive, but, you know, you do have to pick kind of a window in your production schedule where you can be without it for a couple of days or a week or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, yeah. make sure you're planning ahead for these things so that you can properly maintain all of your equipment. Um, and if you, and then, do, if you yeah. do have a hydraulic paper cutter, um, even if it doesn't have a leak like mine does, you want to check the hydraulic fluid levels. And it's a lot like checking the oil level in your car when you unscrew um, the cap that sits on the reservoir, you pull it out and it has a little dipstick attached to it. And if that dipstick looks completely dry, your hydraulic fluid is definitely low. Um, you don't want to be getting air into that system. So you want to make sure to um, that all the fluids are at the proper levels. There should be, especially since if it's a hydraulic uh, cutter, there should definitely be a manual online. There's no reason there wouldn't be. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So check with that. You should also check that um, there is a pressure gauge on that system. So work with someone simultaneously who can engage the cutter and you look at that little gauge that's on the hydraulic system that tells you the pressure that it's achieving. Make sure that that's the right amount of pressure that you're supposed to be getting. And I've noticed that after maybe every hundred or so cuts, like it's not frequent, it's like, uh, you know, once in a blue moon though, the height of my blade may start to get a little off because of just like coming down and getting pushed up basically. So it doesn't come all the way down and cut through the bottom sheet of paper. And so that just requires like going through a process of resetting the height of the blade. You'll also probably have to do that when you get a new blade, make sure that the height is all uh, correct and everything. So it's cutting through all the papers, but just like those little things, um, they'll be in the manual for uh, the machine, but you want to make sure that you're not operating at a less than ideal level with any of your equipment. And with some of this more modern equipment, there are actual gauges that could help you determine that. So make use of those because I used to just take it for what it was worth. Yeah. And then one day, Zach and I really tuned the machine into what it was supposed to be. And holy hell, did it cut like butter. Like it was amazing. For sure. I mean, my paper cutter is from 1920, so it has no gauges. It has no manual. um, It has no (laughs) hydraulic fluid, but it also like, I mean, even as simple as that machine is like, there's a a replaceable plastic piece underneath where the blade hits. Right. So like just that after time, I just turn it and all of a sudden, boom, my bottom sheet is now crisp and clean. And it's like, oh, well, duh. If I just had checked that, I could have saved that last sheet of cotton paper on every stack that I just cut, you know? So Um, little things can just make your life easier and maintaining those things properly and checking those things regularly can save your equipment. So, um, it applies to anything. If you have things like type or slug slash lead cutters, composition sticks, dies for die cutting, always include those things in your routines. Just check them to make sure there's no damage, replace things as needed, have extras of stuff uh, that you need to maintain them on hand. Um, just be ready and be consistent and hopefully your stuff will last for the next generation of letterpress printers to come around. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Cool. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. I'm going to go oil my press now. Thank you so much. (laughs) I know. I was just thinking, oh shit, I printed so much last week and I didn't. I know I oiled at the beginning of the week, but I definitely didn't towards the week. <laughs> I press. I uh, posted a reel about press maintenance on Instagram, and uh, Sarah Bloom commented. She's like, "Thank you for reminding me because I've definitely printed like twenty thousand impressions since the last time I oiled." I was like, "Ah, that's what we're doing this for." So, um, yes, you're not yeah. alone if you're like if you're like the rest of us. Um, I definitely, I think I oiled my press like once in the first like four months that I had it, and then I was like, "Oh, I need to be doing this." And now I'm very consistent about it. Um, But I definitely, there was a time where I did not realize how important it was. Um, Same, especially when I couldn't figure out what to use. I just wasn't using anything. So I love that, like, we are, if you needed the permission, here it is. Go out and get some lube. (laughs) Go out and get a motor oil. Yes, we could find things that are better if you listen to the recommendations that we mentioned. But, um, 
anything is better than nothing. Yep. Because any oil press, is better than no oil. And WD-40 yeah. is not an oil. <laughs> yes. WD-40 is not an oil. Yeah. Yes. So Stay yeah. Loud and clear. Exactly. So any oil is better than no oil. And um, go pick out oil for your car. And that will do until you figure out something better. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Uh, spoken from experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man. There you have it. Sweet. Well, thank you. That was yeah, great. Absolutely. And we will post, um, I think we'll share some stuff on Instagram. So hopefully we'll help you plan your own maintenance schedules. Um, and we'll have some links in the show notes to look over as well. But if you'd like to join us on Instagram, it is at hot off the press pod. And as always, if you have comments, questions, or concerns about anything we talked about today, um, or if you want to hear about some other topic in the future, just send us a DM or an email at hello at hotoffthepresspodcast.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Bye.